Is your pup in need of a trim? Or maybe a bath and D-shed are what your pup needs to feel clean and keep your carpets and furniture looking spick and span. Give Dee's Dog Grooming a call today at 509-325-0017. Located conveniently on Garland and Walnut. Again, Dee's Dog Grooming. 509-325-0017. Welcome to Spokane Valley Speaks, hosted by Al Merkel, where we give you the ins and outs of our city and its government to help you make the best decisions for today and for tomorrow. All right, Spokane Valley listeners, welcome to another episode of Spokane Valley Speaks. I am very pleased today to be joined by another judicial candidate uh, for a district court position. Uh, Miss Jenny Zapone. So Miss Zapone, uh, thank you very much for your time joining us. Um, by the way, are, are you related to, uh, Mr. Zach Zapone on the, uh, Spokane city council? Uh, thank you, Mr. Merkel. Uh, and thank you, Spokane Valley. Oh, and you Valley. can call me Al, by the way. Okay. Thank you, Al. And thank you to Spokane Valley listeners for listening to me today. Uh, no, Zach and I, um, well, we are related. He's my second cousin, um, Actually, uh, he is from Spokane, uh, but we just met two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, he's a little bit younger than I am, so we kind of traveled in different circles. Gotcha. So related, but not closely. Not not too close, you know, but we have gotten to know each other uh, pretty well in the last couple of years. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, you know, as, as, as we said, you are running for the position of a district court judge. So for our listeners at home, could you tell us, what what does a what does a district court judge do, and and how is that different than you know the other levels of judge? Well, when I first started in district court, and um, my we had supervisors who would explain district court like it being the the front porch of the legal system, meaning that you're getting many residents um, from the community. Um, that normally wouldn't otherwise uh, be a part of the criminal justice system. So you're getting people that commit DUIs, uh, fourth degree assaults, um, trespassing. Um, so district court is the face of justice for many people. Um, and so the character of the judicial officer um, is really important because that's probably the only person many people will see in their lives, hopefully. <laughs> and so – and so, we, yeah, we don't want uh, them to be going to the basement of the judicial system, I guess, using the house yeah. analogy. I, I'm not even sure what the basement <laughs> of the judicial system would be. But you want to stay on the front porch is what you're saying. That's just, <laughs> we, want, we want you to stay on the front, front porch. And it, it is what we call the people's court because we are dealing with a lot of um, people in the community. Every type of person is coming through this court. Gotcha. And, yes. Wasn't, wasn't that a sit- sitcom, the people's court? <laughs> I don't anticipate it's going to be much like that, right? No, or like night court. <laughs> I suppose night court. I suppose it's probably a lot more serious. But as you say, it's it's an important position because uh at the end of the day, uh this is the primary place where most people will if if ever hopefully again crossing our fingers, uh have an interaction with the judicial system. So that that makes that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, and so an- another difference is, you know, d- district court is a court of limited jurisdiction. So we're only limited in hearing certain types of crimes mm. versus superior court, 
which is a court of general dis- uh, jurisdiction, and they have statewide authority. And district court only has county-wide authority. And so, again, on um, uh, district court, we're dealing with, again, your crimes of forced degree assault, DUI, mm-hmm. and those are what we call misdemeanors and gross misdemeanors. So they carry um, lower sentences than what we see in superior court where they're looking at um, very serious charges and very long sentences. Mm. And district court also deals with civil ca- civil cases as well. Mm. And, and so we're dealing with small claims court right. and we're dealing with uh, protection orders, um, assaults, infractions, and um, um, that type, those types of crime. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And especially I, I imagine that the, those civil, those civil cases can really be important to people too, uh, especially when you're talking about small claims. I can't even imagine, you know, for a lot of folks that, that small claims case is probably one of the most important cases that they're going to deal with in their lives. Because I mean, you're dealing with a small amount of money to, to some, but to, to others enough that they wanted to take it to the legal proceeding. Yes, and it can be a very stressful situation. So mm. you really want a judge that's going to be giving everybody an opportunity to be meaningfully heard. And so I think um, as a judge, you know, with my experience, I've been in trial. Um, I train new attorneys. Um, I've, I've seen it all. So I'm hoping that my experience at, in these different areas will be um, a resource and I'll, I'll be able to really, um, help those people in small claims court. Cause that's a, a, a court where you don't have attorneys. Right. And, and so I think there's a degree of patience, um, and being able to be, you know, helpful without obviously advocating for certain positions, but you have to be actually able to sift through all the material and be really able to help. So, and I'm hoping to do that. Like, I'll review all the exhibits that you put before me. Mm. Um, even if maybe I don't think it's as important, I'll explain to you why. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I want to give you good reasons. I want to make you understand the process. I want to make you understand why I'm making the decisions that I'm making. Yeah, I think that that's very important because, as you say, small claims court is uh, one of the only types of court where nobody's allowed to have any lawyer. So, so really, the judge is the only lawyer in the room. For that and it's incredibly it's it's incredibly stressful. Yeah, I mean it's as, it's stressful as for attorneys to go in there and argue cases, let alone people with no necessary legal experience having to go in. Mm. So it takes a lot of courage for people to file small claims court cases, and I will give them their fair shake, and I will give them the opportunity to be heard. Very good. Okay. Uh, and, and speaking about, you know, all these opportunities and all the rest, I mean, it, it obviously takes uh, a lot of qualifications to do this job. Um, folks at home, you know, may not be familiar with, with what to look for in terms of qualifications. So I guess I would ask you, what, what do you think, you know, explaining to the folks at home, what do you think the most important qualifications for somebody who is running for a judge judge position would be? Well, when I when I was looking to become a judge, you know, I always seek guidance on what what a good judge is, and so I started scouring the internet and looking at um, quotes, and I found one from Socrates that I felt was very applicable to what I thought would is a good judge, hmm. and he described the essential qualities that belong to a judge: to hear courteously, to answer wisely, 
to consider soberly and to decide impartially. <laughs> and so when I read that, I was um, it really uh, rang true to me in terms of what I think a good judge is going to be. Probably the considering soberly, right? We we all want to make sure. <laughs> you're considering soberly while you're being a judge, I would imagine. I, I, I would hope so. I would hope so. But I mean, I think, I think what the, what the community needs is they need some, a judge who has common sense hmm. and can apply that to the law. And I think they want a, a, a fair shake in court. So um, that's, that's what I, that's what I think. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I think I think you've described some important qualifications for this race. Um, so I, I guess that kind of brings up the question. I mean, when when we're talking about qualifications and selection, we're really talking about what candidate to pick. But that 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 actually kind of brings up the question of of you know, is this a partisan race? I mean, I know the judges will have political parties. You know, the Republicans or Democrats. Um, but is that is that really kind of what defines this race? Or, uh, and if it does, could you tell us, you know, how that breakup works, but if it doesn't, uh, you know, explain to us how, how really the, the difference between, uh, yourself and the other candidate would be. So thank you for that question. Cause I've been getting that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. voters are asking me whether or not I'm a Republican, whether or not I'm a Democrat. And as a judicial candidate, this is a nonpartisan race, mm. um, so we do not identify as a Republican or as a Democrat. And unfortunately for a lot of voters, that's very frustrating because they're not able to align their values with the, um, with the candidate because they don't know what party they're, um, affiliated with. But it, that's really important though in a judicial, um, for a judge because we want to be impartial mm. and we want to give, um, people, um, who come before the court, um, and the fairness that they deserve. And we don't want people to think that any sort of political party is influencing our decisions that we would make on the bench. So although it is frustrating, I believe it is necessary mm. um, for our judicial system to work the way it's supposed to work. So I, um, I can't identify as one or the other. Um, and in terms of speaking of what differentiates me from my opponent, um, frankly, um, I don't know too much about my opponent. Um, um, I've worked at the county 10 years and mm -hmm. when I filed, I didn't know, I didn't know who he was, but, um, what I can tell you about myself is what I bring, uh, to the community is over 10 years of working at the Spokane County prosecutor's office as a prosecutor fighting every day for victims' rights and for our community. And so that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. I've been, I've worked in juvenile. I've worked in district court doing DUIs and fourth degree assaults. I've worked with, like I said, juvenile and kids. Um, I've worked in the property crimes unit. I've worked with in the major crime unit where I prosecuted a murderer um, and went to trial on that. Um, currently, I am supervising our general trial unit. And I'm also supervising our victim advocates as well. One of the other things that I think was really neat that I did mm. in the prosecutor's office that will help me become a judge also is I worked with doctors at Sacred Heart um, um, to help those who were gravely disabled by mental health conditions mm. or um, by chemical dependencies issues. So I would work with doctors and determine, you know, 
um, the doctors said they needed to stay longer and that person's mental illness may have prevented them from realizing that they needed to stay longer, we would go to a hearing and I would represent uh, the doctor's point of view and talk about different mental health disorders and chemical dependency issues. Mm. So I learned so much about what's happening in our community just by uh, learning about these different mental health conditions and and even with children, uh, children who have um, are going through mental health disorders at Sacred Heart. So it was very, very invaluable experience to me as a prosecutor and I think will be very good for us as a judicial candidate. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think uh that those must have been some tough cases. Um, but you know, it's it's probably a very good experience for being able to understand, you know, what, what folks uh might bring to the table in terms of mental health issues and different different issues regarding that. So that makes a lot of sense. Um so you know, uh, we 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 spoke a little bit about this. Uh, you, you've been you've been telling me about your time as a prosecutor, uh, etc. And I'm sure you were very good at your job, but uh, that that brings for a lot of people the question of you know, th- does a good lawyer necessarily make a good judge? Um, you know, are are they one and the same, or are there some people that are good lawyers who may not be good judges? I I would think there could be there. I think a good there are good lawyers that may not be good judges. And I think a good lawyer is going to be a very staunch advocate for their position. And hopefully a good lawyer will be looking at all sides, but they're going to be very um, focused, hyper-focused on their position. Mm. Um, A good lawyer is going to know the law, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a judge needs to know the law. Um, But I do think a good judge is going to be able to um, look at the entire landscape of a case mm. and that's their job. And that's a heavy responsibility. They need to look at what biases these attorneys are bringing in and what motives and all these different factors. And I think the judge is protecting the entire system for, and work the way it's, to make sure it's working the way it should be. So I think a good judge is going to be one I think a good judge should be a good lawyer, but I don't think a good lawyer would be necessarily a good judge. Um, um, Cause I think a good lawyer has the attributes of working hard and knowing the law and being a good advocate. And I think as a judge, you're really an advocate for the system and you're really trying to focus on protecting the system and giving everybody um, a meaningful opportunity to be heard. And again, looking at that broad landscape of the entire system itself rather than hyper-focusing on a particular angle. And some some attorneys I've talked to said, you know, why why be a ref when you can still play the game? When I have asked them, you know, have you thought about becoming a judge? Right. And so they really like that advocating for a certain position. And I think as a judge, you're really just – trying to protect the entire process and keeping it the way it needs to go. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, speaking of heavy uh, burdens and, and thinking about protecting the system, um, you know, a lot of people want to know how do judges think about sentencing? So I guess for you in particular in this race, how would you like to address that for folks at home? I, I think I, sentencing is very important. Um, you have to weigh a lot of factors heavily. And one of those is the victim, mm. the victim rights, um, as well as the defendant's rights. 
Um, victims are afforded rights by the Washington State Constitution. Um, so their voice needs to be heard. Um, and the defendant's voice needs to be heard. And the rights, all these different rights need to be honored. Mm. Um, so I'm looking at victims. I'm looking at the nature of the charge. Is this a DUI? Is this a fourth assault? Is this someone's first time before the court? Is this been a very traumatic um, impact on them? Are they showing remorse? Are there any mitigating factors? Are there any aggravating factors? Uh, did they run away from the crime? Did they try to make amends? Um, are there any sort of sentencing guidelines that I have to uh, take into effect? So as uh, mandatory minimums, essentially, if you've had a uh, DUI, um, some of those I'm bound to by the law. Mm. But ultimately, I'm looking at the whole picture and um, trying to work on a on a sentence that will ultimately um, make make as many people whole as I can and make the community safe as well. Hmm, hmm. You talked a little bit about that balance between victims' rights and 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 of course, you know, the the defendant and um, the nature of the crime, etc. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you personally balance those two things? Um, well, I, you know, I, as a prosecutor and as a victim rights, um, or as a victim advocate supervisor, um, some of the complaints I've heard from victims is, you know, th why do defendants get all the attention? Why do the defendants get all the services? Um, why don't the victims get more attention? And, um, you know, we're the ones that lost our son. We're the ones that, you know, um, um, have injuries for the rest of our lives. Like mm. why, why is this case getting continued for the 50th time? Mm. Why, why can't I get justice faster? And at the end of sentencing or at the end of conclusion, they don't feel as whole, but mainly what I'm hearing is they just, they want to feel like their rights have been honored and that they feel like they're being hurt. So I think it's important for a judge to, to honor victim rights and to be aware of them and what they've gone through and weigh that with the defendant's right to have a speedy trial, um, to have their case uh, tried with um, the necessary investigation and to have an attorney prepared to go to court. So sometimes defense attorneys need continuances to get ready for trial and they need to interview witnesses. So those are things that will be weighing together. But what I want to make clear is that those are things that I will be thinking about and that I've had the experience of as I've been fighting within the system to work on these things as well. Gotcha. Okay. So, so I'm going to weigh everything pretty heavily and, and just be aware of all those different rights, I think is very key to a judicial officer. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Um, and, and of course, you know, in part of that, you, you talked a little bit about weighing, uh, the best way to, to look at the sentence. And part of that is, uh, thinking about probation. So I know a lot of people have questions about how and when and why to assign probation or how long to assign a probation, how that probation would work. Uh, is there something you could speak to about that? Oh, well, I think district court's probation is amazing. I really... As a felony prosecutor, I look to district court probation to sometimes resolve cases on a felony level because I say, well, potentially reduce it to a misdemeanor, which is a lower offense so that they get the probation services of district court. Mm. Uh, probation is, is the arm of the court. 
And it's so important and vital to um, keeping people following the law, keeping the court's attention on certain individuals that may be more high risk to reoffend. So the judges are, you know, um, seeing these people maybe on a, a monthly basis to check in with them, or they're being notified immediately if they violate terms of conditions of release or probation. So probation is 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 intense for some people, and mm. actually some. Some offenders don't want probation. They rather serve their jail time and be done. Hmm. Um, so sometimes probation can actually be a lot, a big deterrent for some people as well. And it, it works as a deterrent. It works for recidivism. It's it's super important in getting services to people that otherwise would never get services because they don't have the discipline to get it, and they need help or they need some sort of carrot in front of them. Um, and it's also a tool used to keep the community safe. Um, so we have therapeutic courts, hmm. veterans court, mental health court, intensive supervision for DUI. So probation is in there in all those um, different courts helping to facilitate uh, people get where they need to be. And again, like I said, keep the community safe. Ah, that's pretty. If, uh-huh. Well, yeah, and I'm going to say the community, if you've never been to a veterans court graduation or a mental health court graduation, I mean, you know, these are open to the public and it's seen, you get to see people succeed. Hmm. I bet that's a good feeling when no matter what part of the justice system you're, you're being involved in. Yes. It's, and in fact, um, I want to make it a requirement, at least in my unit where I supervise that they go and watch some of these graduations. Mm. Cause we, as prosecutors, we don't get to see a lot of success stories. We just see a lot of, um, pain and misery. We see people at their worst. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and I'm really glad that we've kind of spoken about how you're going to balance some of these things. But I think for a lot of people, you know, being as in this is an elected position, they also want to know how do you balance the needs of all these different aspects of justice with having to get reelected and the wants of uh, the electorate and things like that? I want to do a good job. And so for me, I believe they're one and the same. I think what I take to the court is going to be my ability to work hard for the community and to always be trying to do better. Um, I'm going to be doing whatever I'm going to be doing, regardless of whether or not, you know, it's going to be elected or not. But I do believe that my compassion for a human being and my um, knowledge of the law and my um, my determination to make sure that everybody has a fair shake in my courtroom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, will go hand in hand with the process of um, being elected again. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, I guess uh, another important question that I think a lot of people have is is uh, you know judicial committees are a really important part of being a judge, um, you know, cause, cause you, you learn from ju- judicial committees, you affect how courts, uh, make decisions, etc. Are there any particular judicial committees that you would like to target once you become a judge, uh, that are of interest to you or, or bring interest back to Spokane County? Some of the judicial committees that when I looked them up, uh, uh surprisingly I didn't for district court, there weren't that many, mm. But I looked at, I thought the therapeutic uh, uh, judicial community, uh, judicial committee was uh, important. 
And I thought it could be a really good way to, to help our community in Spokane and to be up to date on um, evidence-based practices on how to make the community safer. Mm. Um, I also like the legislative committee because you're dealing with the law and making sure the law, um, local court rules um, um, are working with your court. And I want to make sure Spokane court's rules are um, being represented on the legislative level. And like, if we need to change things, I want to be at the forefront of that. I want to be advocating for that. Um, I also think diversity is also important and just being aware of what's going on in the community and being aware of any unconscious biases to be always learning and growing. So I also think ultimately, too, is there's a public outreach committee for judicial officers. And, you know, that's something that I've learned through the campaign is that um, it's really important for judicial officers to be out in the community. It's to take off that black robe and to to really get get in and see what's going on and to talk to people and find out what their concerns are and 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 really take that ivory tower kind of away from the judge at times and become become like be with them and hear what hear them. Yeah. Um through this campaign I've met with so many community leaders and it's been such an honor. I've been met with Reverend Happy Watkins. Um I've you know, I'm in the Kiwanis group. Um, I'm just meeting with all these different people in the community. I took my two sons to, um, again, Happy Watkins uh, Baptist Church out in the valley, and I exposed them to, you know, all these different wonderful things that are going on in the community. I went to the Carl Maxey Center mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's helping to to serve African Americans in our in our community, our youth. Um, there's just a lot of positive things going on in our community. I think as a judicial officer, it's good. It's important to be a leader and to be involved and to know what's going on. Fair enough. Fair enough. Of course, uh, speaking of community concerns that people have, I think that, that one of the hottest button questions, one of the hottest button issues for Spokane County right now is our rising crime rates. And, uh, you know, through this program, through many of the, uh, interviews I've been doing, as well as, uh, just being out on the streets, talking to different people and the feedback that I've been receiving, um, you know, folks want to know what the cause is. And I've, I've heard now from, from law enforcement, one story, uh, another, another story from prosecution candidates. Um, but of course, a lot of folks really think that one of the biggest causes for crime rates is, is judicial discretion is, is judges just letting people out. Um, I'm not sure if that's totally true, but I would love to hear how you would respond to that. I wish we could only point to one thing because if we could point to one thing, then we would fix it. Mm. Um, you know, it's a tough moment for a mother when I'm sitting with my son and he's watching the news and we go out to the car and he runs to the car because he's afraid he's going to get shot because of mm. all the drive-by shootings that we've had. Um, mm. I mean, there's not one thing that is ultimately affecting crime in Spokane. I think it's such a complex answer, but I think it's something that we can fix. Mm. And as a judge, I do think uh, you have discretion as a judge to um, look at whether or not someone should be released when they are arrested. There's always a presumption of release and presumption of innocence, but there's other factors that a judge must consider. And that's whether or not there's a likeliness uh, to commit another violent offense or to commit a violent offense, Mm. Um, whether or not they're going to show up to court again, whether or not they're going to interfere with the administration of justice. Mm. So these are things that judges 
you know, look at when they're making a decision about someone needs to be released um, into the community while they're awaiting their, their charges on their case. And I think if someone's missed court 20 times or if someone's out there violating court orders that the court has imposed on them, I think that that deserves some greater attention in terms of bond. Mm. And that's where judges, I think, have the greatest impact is when people are violating court orders prior to the sentencing. And so I think um, that's, I think, one of the reasons why I'd be a good judge is I've been in the fight. I work in a unit with another attorneys who are arguing bond on a daily basis. Mm. I've seen what's coming through. I see what's happening. Um, and I care so deeply about our community and my kids who are growing up in Spokane. Mm. And I want it to be a fair, uh, safe place for, for our families. And as a judge, um, I will do what I can to apply the law and to apply it to the facts in an impartial and correct way to help Spokane be a safer community and a stronger community for that. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, uh, I think we've really covered some good, good topics here, but, uh, I, I want to, uh, just give you the last word and, uh, you know, if there's a special message you want to send to voters, please go ahead. Thank you, Al. And I want to thank the voters of Spokane Valley. It's been an honor just to be able to talk to you freely like this. And I just want you to know that I want to make Spokane proud um, again, I was born and raised in wonderful Spokane. Um, I recently lost my dad and he loved mm. Spokane fiercely. He loved the community of Spokane. In fact, his shingles are on the, or on the outside of the carousel. They used to be on the whole carousel. Mm. Um, but a part of his legacy is in Spokane with all the copper and all his businesses or the business that he had. And so, and it's where I'm raising my kids, and it's so important to me. And I think these deep roots are energizing my ongoing commitment to public service. And I have served as a prosecutor for over a decade. And as a judge, I will bring that wide experience of working in all these different units, mm -hmm. and I'll bring that integrity and courage to the bench. And I want you to know this is our community, and it's our collective safety and well-being, and it's my top priority. So I would appreciate you visiting my website at zaponeforjudge.com or you can look at my Facebook, um, Zapone for Judge. I'm really trying to get to a thousand followers. So if you could help me out, I would appreciate that. It's a new goal of mine. I have to have goals. <laughs> um, I appreciate your time today and I thank you for your support. So thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time and uh, for those fantastic answers. Uh, for our folks at home, uh, if Spokane Valley Speaks is a podcast that helps you in your daily life or making some of these hard decisions about what candidates to vote for in the upcoming election, please uh, leave us a review, uh, share the podcast, subscribe, make sure you're telling your friends and family about the podcast so that they can benefit from these great interviews that we're doing with candidates. And with that, I really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you on another episode soon. Thanks.
Boy, prices are sure getting out of control. That being said, there is an upside. This is a great time to make investments. And what better investment than investing in your own business ideas? I started Spokane Startups to give people like you a leg up in starting a business here in Spokane. I understand that startup costs are one of the hardest parts of starting a business. So I offer all of my support on a pay-what-it's-worth model. So give me a call today and let me see what I can do to help you make your dreams come true. 509-315-6416 or spokanestartups.com. 509-315-6416. Spokane Startups, helping you start businesses today.